0: Well, Easter Sunday, it's one of those Sundays where it's like, oh Lord, what do we say that hasn't been said before? And so for the past six weeks, we have been preparing our hearts for Easter. We have been in a study called the Jesus I Long to Know. This has been our heart's desire, and we've been looking at selected events in the life of Jesus with the intention of focusing our thoughts and attention on Him. We really were asking the question, who is Jesus? And we discovered that he is the calmer of storms, the son of God, the healer of wounds, to name just a few. And now that we know who he is, the real question is, what do we do with him? How do we respond to Jesus? And so this morning, on this Easter Sunday, we want to ask those two questions again. Who is Jesus? And this morning we declare that he is our risen hope. And what do we do with him? So I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter twenty-four if you have your Bible or maybe a smartphone. They will; the words will be here on the screen. And I'd like to read these verses for you uh, in chapter thirteen, uh, sorry, chapter twenty-four, verse beginning at verse thirteen. This particular event in the life of Jesus is unique to Luke's gospel. He, he goes into great detail about uh, these two men that are walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And it happened on the afternoon of that first Easter Sunday. And so we read in verse 13, That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, about 11 kilometers from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning. And they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing. And they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see. And sure enough, his body was gone just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people! You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the Scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering His glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the Scriptures the things concerning Him. By this time they were nearing Emmaus, and the end of their journey... Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, The Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. This is the word of the Lord. So friends, this morning, just three observations about hope. First, hope is shattered, then hope is found, and then hope is the message. So hope is shattered when things don't go our way, or they don't go as we planned them, or, or we thought that they would work out in a certain way, and they don't, and hope is shattered. So I take us to verse 21, where the, the two men declared, we had hoped... He was the Messiah who would come to rescue Israel. This was their bold declaration of their hope for who Jesus was, that he would be the Messiah and he would come and rescue Israel. But that hope had been lost and had now been replaced with fear and confusion. Now, how did we get there? We'll go back to the beginning of of the account in verse 13. Luke tells us that this event happened that same day. Well, what day was that? If we go back to the very first, cha- or first verse of chapter 24, we learn that it was that first Easter Sunday. The women went to the tomb and found the stone rolled away, and the body of Jesus was gone. And two angels appeared and said to them, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? Great question, isn't it? Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. And so they return from the tomb, and of course they tell the others, the other disciples, they don't believe them. And so Peter and John run to the tomb to check it out for himself. The empty tomb became the talk of the town. What happened to Jesus? And I'm sure all sorts of speculation and rumors started circulating, some that continue to this day. Luke records that this event took place on that same day, that the empty tomb was discovered, and everyone is wondering what had happened. Now, two of Jesus' followers, we later learn that one of them was named Cleopas, and the other companion is unnamed. Some speculate that it might have even been his wife. They're walking from Jerusalem to the village of Emmaus. And because Luke is very detailed in his reporting, he even tells us that it's 11 kilometers. Now, he didn't use kilometers. That wasn't the, the, the unit of measure. But if you do the do the uh, translations, you know that that's the distance that it was. And so it's about a two-hour walk. And so as they're walking along, they're talking about everything uh, that... that every, they're talking about what everyone else was talking about, right? They're talking about everything that had happened. I pause just long enough to remind us that when we're looking at a passage of Scripture like this, Luke is recording actual historical events. This event actually happened. This isn't some fictional story made up by Luke. In the opening verses of chapter 1, Luke makes clear his purpose in writing this gospel. He says this, Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They used the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write an accurate account for you, Most Honorable Theophilus, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught." And so right from the very beginning, Luke says, I carefully investigated everything that people were talking about, and now I write it so that you can be certain of the truth of everything you were were taught. So just imagine, Luke may very well have tracked down Cleopas and his companion on this journey, and he sat down with them and he said, Now tell me about that day that you guys walked from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And as they retold the events of that day, Luke and recorded everything that had happened. And this is what everyone was talking about. This is what all the fuss was about. If this had happened today, it would have been all over Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, the Internet, TV. Every news would have had breaking news. The tomb is empty and Jesus' body is gone. That's what everybody would have been talking about. And so, as they walked along, of course, they were talking about and discussing these things. I like to speculate a little bit sometimes. I know it's not always good. I I think it might be a little bit safe when you speculate on Scripture itself. But I wondered a little bit, what kind of things would they have been talking about? And you can imagine these two guys, they're kind of recalling all of the events of the past few days, maybe the past few years. And one says to the other, he says, oh man, I feel so bad for Peter. Do you remember? I mean, Jesus told him straight to his face that he would deny him three times. And sure enough, he did. And and remember in the garden when the crowd came to arrest Jesus and Peter took a sword and cut off that servant's ear? Man, Jesus really laid into Peter for that one too. No more of this. I still remember him shouting that. Then he healed the poor guy's ear. It's incredible. And then when they had that mock trial, I mean, everyone was just passing the buck. No one wanted to take responsibility. The council of the elders and Pilate and Herod. I, I still can't even believe that the crowd wanted Barabbas released and Jesus crucified. Oh, man, that was just horrific, wasn't it? I don't think I'll ever get the sights and sounds out of my mind. Hey, when he he said to the criminal beside him, today you will be with me in paradise, do do you think maybe that that's where he is now? Do you think that's why the tomb is empty? Hey, remember that time in the early part of his ministry? This must have happened about two and a half, three years ago. He, He went to Galilee in his hometown of Nazareth, and he went to the synagogue, and he stood up, and he read from the prophet Isaiah, the Spirit, of the sovereign lord is upon me for the lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor he has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed he has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the lord's favor has come and with it the day of god's anger against their enemies and you remember then how he just kind of he rolled up the scroll and he and he gave it to the guy that was there and he just sat down And he knew everyone was staring at him. And then he just sort of calmly says, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. People didn't know what to do with that. So, So you're saying you are the Messiah? The Messiah who we were all expecting to come and liberate Israel from Roman rule? Well, things sure have changed, haven't they? We thought for sure that he would come to redeem Israel. But now he's dead. What hope do we have now? Any hope we had is now dead and buried along with him. Scripture fulfilled? Ha! More like finished. But wait. What about the women reporting that the tomb was empty? And so these two guys are just on this journey and they they go back and forth. They're discussing all of these things that they had so much hope, but now it was shattered. They were riding high. Jesus was growing in popularity. He had power and authority and his followers fully expected him to triumph over the religious establishment in Jerusalem and to be victorious over the Romans. Israel was going to be set free at last. But now, Jesus had been crucified and was buried. It wasn't meant to be. But they didn't realize that an even greater victory had been won. Isn't that true for us? We set our hopes on something. We have dreams. We think we have it all figured out and we know just how it's all going to work out, how it's all going to fall into place life that is and then stuff happens medical diagnosis a layoff notice divorce papers a miscarriage a phone call in the middle of the night a knock on the door life doesn't go the way that we think it should and when that happens any hopes and dreams that we had are shattered And often replaced by fear. And clarity is replaced by confusion. And if you can identify with that, you will know how these two traveling companions felt on that morning. And suddenly, they're joined by a stranger. Luke tells us that the stranger was actually Jesus. But Cleopas and his friend didn't know that because verse 16, catch this, he says... God kept them from recognizing him. God kept them from recognizing him. Literally, it's their eyes were held in order not to know him. God supernaturally prevented them from knowing that it was Jesus. And Jesus starts talking with them. Have you ever been meeting somebody for coffee and and you're sharing about life and maybe current events? And about 15 minutes into it, the guy at the table next to you joins the conversation. Have you ever had this happen to you? It's happened to me. It's really awkward, right? Like, it's just like, how long have you been listening? What have I just said? You immediately think that he's just crazy or maybe just a little too nosy. But maybe the two followers of Jesus welcome the stranger into their conversation. I mean, still, it's, it's a little weird to think that they couldn't recognize him. As one commentator wrote, he said, Luke is pointing out that we can't see the risen Jesus, even though he is walking with us, unless he wills to disclose himself to us. I like that. We can't recognize him unless God initiates that, unless God wills to disclose himself to us. I'll come back to that in a, in a moment. So you see what's happening now, right? Two guys on a journey. Stranger comes up. It's like, what's new? What's happening? What's up? Excuse me? I love how descriptive Luke is here. He, goes, he, he writes this. He says, they stopped short. Sadness written across their faces. Just, can you picture, it's just this picture of total shock and disbelief i just look at him it's like have you been living under a rock i mean what else would we be talking about we're talking about the same things everyone else is talking about and they love this he says you must be the only person in jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there in the last few days and jesus says what things the things that happened to jesus the man from Nazareth. Do you see the irony here? They're talking to Jesus, about Jesus, but they don't know it's Jesus. So they say, they go on to describe him. They say, excuse me, he was a prophet. He did powerful miracles. The lame walked, the blind received sight. He was an amazing speaker. No one ever fell asleep during his sermons. People believed in him and followed him, but he was condemned to death and they crucified him. He's dead and our hopes of being rescued from Roman rule died with him. And that was three days ago. Now, early this morning, some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb, and they came back with an amazing report. The tomb was empty. His body was missing. And the angels had told them, Jesus is alive. Then some of the men, who just had to see for themselves, ran out to see. And sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Things didn't turn out the way they thought they would the way they had hoped. And now all they can really feel is confusion, disappointment, hopelessness, because hope is shattered when things don't go the way we thought that they would. And that's what the two traveling companions felt, and the apostles, and everyone who had been following Jesus. It wasn't supposed to be this way, or so they thought. So hope is shattered. But hope is found in Jesus, who is found in the Scriptures. Verse 25, now Jesus speaks. Up until now, he was just asking questions, but now he says to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the Scriptures. Now, that's probably not a recommended openly nine in how to win friends and influence people, right? I mean, Jesus just flat out rebukes them. Then I V uses the phrase, slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. I'm not sure what's worse, you're foolish or you're slow. They're both equally kind of bad. Now, it's not that they didn't know what the prophets had said. They just didn't fully understand. They, They didn't get it, or at least they were slow to get it. If you think about it, that is still true today. They were so wrapped up in a Jesus of their own making. They only saw the Messiah as a conquering and triumphant king who would overthrow the Romans and redeem Israel. They thought Jesus was the Messiah, but now things had gone totally sideways. They had visions of victory. And they didn't realize that glory for Jesus would come only after suffering and death. And the interesting part is is Jesus had made that so clear to them. I mean, look at back in chapter 18 and verse 31. This is what Jesus said to his disciples. He says, taking the 12 disciples aside, Jesus said, listen, we're going up to Jerusalem where all of the predictions of the prophets concerning the Son of Man will come true. He will be handed over to the Romans and he will be mocked Treated shamefully and spit upon, they will flog him with a whip and kill him. But on the third day, he will rise again. It doesn't get any clearer. Jesus looked at his disciples, told them flat out what was happening. He didn't hide it, but it just didn't register for the disciples. But this is what the prophets taught. And from Genesis through to Revelation, it's a story of God's amazing grace. And the books of Moses and the prophets, they all point to Jesus, to the cross. And then the New Testament all looks back on this event. And the Bible can only be understood in these four big themes, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. And in the opening chapters of Genesis, we have the wonder of God's creation. It's perfect and peaceful. And then the fall and the awfulness of sin and the terrible consequences of sin. But then God, because of his deep, deep love, sends his son Jesus to pay the penalty for our sin, to rescue us, to redeem us, to set us free from sin. That's the story of the Bible in a nutshell. It's the gospel. And so, verse 27 then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. In other words, scripture was fulfilled in what has happened to Jesus during the past few days. While rejection and death were not in keeping with popular expectations, they were ultimately a fulfillment of Scripture. And so the whole story is about Jesus and about the hope that we have in Jesus. And Luke goes on to say this, their hearts began to burn within them as he talked with them on the road and explained the Scriptures to them. At least that's how they described it a little bit later. But you know, what struck me in this encounter is that I realized that it's easy to spend time with Jesus and still not recognize him. You can be raised in a Christian home and not recognize him. You might even come to TCC regularly or not so regularly, but you don't recognize him. It may be that God, in fact, has kept you from recognizing this Jesus. But listen, God then reveals Himself in His Word. The Bible is God's self-revelation. And the written Word will always reveal the living Word. When we spend time with Jesus, when we spend time in His Word, and we pray, God, open my eyes to Your truth that I might see Jesus. I believe that God answers that prayer. And just like those two traveling companions, we too can have our eyes open and we can recognize Jesus for who he really is. And so we can see Jesus in the ordinary and routine activities of life. Maybe even when we're just out for a walk with a friend, talking about the Jesus that we know, the one who gives life and meaning and purpose and hope. To life. Because when we find Jesus, we find hope. Last Sunday, Pastor Adam introduced a song that was, was new to me and, and a lot of us. He was shocked by it because it was a, a well-known song in, in his uh, music vocabulary called Hope of the Nations. It captured the hope that we have in Jesus so well. It says, Jesus, hope of the nations. Jesus, comfort for all who mourn. You are the source of heaven's hope on earth. In history, you lived and died. You broke the chains. You rose to life. You are the hope living in us. You are the rock in whom we trust. You are the light shining for all the world to see. You rose from the dead, conquering fear. Our Prince of Peace, drawing us near. Jesus, our hope, living for all who will receive. Lord, We believe. We should have sung that this morning. But we had good songs too. Only so many songs. You see, when we believe in Jesus, we find hope. Now in verse 28, the two men still don't know that it's Jesus that they're walking and talking with. They're now nearing Emmaus, and Cleopas and his traveling partner, they literally beg the stranger to stay with them since it is getting late there's a wonderful picture of invitation here jesus would have kept on walking but he's invited to stay the night listen if we don't invite jesus to stay with us to spend time with us we might just miss the opportunity for him to reveal himself to us jesus then stayed because he was invited and it was the jewish custom to take the bread and to bless it and jesus was asked to do this and words that might be familiar to us he took the bread and broke it and gave it to them suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him can you imagine this suddenly Their eyes were opened and they recognized him. They didn't suddenly recognize him. No, their eyes were opened and then they recognized him. And as soon as they recognized that it was Jesus, he disappears. I mean, that must have been incredibly disappointing. I mean, they finally figure out who the stranger on the road to Emmaus was and now he's gone. But oh, how I love verse 32. I already referred to it once, but here it is again. They said to each other, Didn't our hearts burn within us as He talked with us on the road and explained the Scriptures to us? Didn't our hearts burn? We're talking to each other again. Did you feel something? I mean, as He explained the Scriptures to us, as He opened the Scriptures, there was something that was stirring inside, and I didn't know what it was then. But now I know. And most people, who have come to faith in Jesus, who have invited Jesus to be their Lord and leader, will tell of a similar experience. And what they're describing is that moment when the Spirit of God is moving upon us, drawing us to Himself. And when we recognize that's what's going on, we simply respond in faith. And so when Jesus knocks on the door of our heart, we open it and we invite Him in. And we find hope. And meaning, and purpose in life. And so the last observation, hope, then, is the message that we have to share with others. And I was thinking about this. I'm not sure how I, I, I should put the emphasis. Is You know, hope is the message we have to share with others. Or hope is the message, and we have to share this with others. So Cleopas and his companion, they can't keep this good news to themselves. Hope has been restored, right? Because now they realize that Jesus is alive. And so they immediately race back to Jerusalem. It's now dark and it's dangerous, but they don't care because we have to go tell them. We're not going to wait till the morning. And they must have been totally beside themselves. I wonder, I, you know, I was, again, speculating a little bit. I wonder how they were, if they even talked as they're racing back, and they probably did it in half the time. What are we going to tell the others? How are we going to tell the others? And they're kind of like, knock on their door, and should we burst in and just go, he's alive! Or should we just like kind of casually walk in, play it kind of cool, keep it on the down low, and just build it up a little, and just, you know, you'll never guess who we had supper with. Earlier this evening. They found the disciples and the others who had gathered with them. And this is great. Because before they could even say anything. Someone else said it is true. The Lord has risen. And he's appeared to Simon Peter. I feel almost a little bad for them. Right? I mean here they thought that they were the only ones who had proof now that Jesus was alive. So they raced back to Jerusalem only to find out that everyone already knew. But at the end of the day, does it really matter who was able to share the news that Jesus is alive when really that is the message of hope that all who follow Jesus have a responsibility to share with others? Oh, what a night that must have then been. I suspect they stayed up very late, if not the whole night, just telling stories and rehearsing the events of the past three days, probably the past three years. And then at one point, the two from Emmaus told their story. It just reminds me of the power of story. And friends, that's what we do when we engage with our friends and our neighbors. We just love them. We serve them. We build a relationship with them. We have them over for coffee. And in the midst of that growing relationship, maybe we're given an opportunity to tell them about Jesus because they say, why do you have joy in your life? Why do you have hope in your life? And you say, well, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you. And we're given the opportunity to tell them about Jesus and about how his light shines into our darkness and how in living and in dying he conquered death. And there is hope, hope of eternal life. And life now has meaning and purpose. And it's found in the person of Jesus. And that's why I have joy. Not because of my circumstances, but because I am saved. Because of what Jesus did. Let me just draw this to a close and give you some questions to ask ourselves. We talk at TCC about knowing Jesus, walking with Jesus, and sharing Jesus. And so my first question is simply around, have I invited him in? Ask yourself that question. Have you made room in your life for Jesus? Can you truly say on this day that He is your risen hope, your risen Redeemer, your risen Savior? That He's Lord of your life. If you haven't invited Him in, there is no better day than to mark this as a strategic point in your transformation of becoming more like Jesus, where you give your life to Jesus and say, Come into my life, Lord Jesus. There's room in my heart for you. Maybe this morning you remember that moment where you did invite him in and you can kind of go, you know what? I remember that stirring in my heart. I remember when my heart burned. That's a great description because I don't know if I would have used those words before, but now I will because that's exactly what I remember. My heart burned within me. And as we walk with Jesus as we now take what we know and we live it out in our everyday life, have we come to actually recognize him as Lord? In other words, do we do what he says? Do we walk in obedience? Do we live out the truth that we now know? And it just is in the practical, everyday outworking of our lives. But it isn't just uh, an Easter a year or, or a Sunday a week, but that this is the defining characteristic of our life, that we're a follower of Jesus And he's Lord of my life and leader of my life. Have you come to recognize him as Lord? In a moment, we're actually going to celebrate with two here in the waters of baptism. And what they're saying is, I've come to know Jesus, and I'm making him Lord of my life, and I am walking in obedience. I'm under new management. This is the sign I'm putting out for everyone to see that Jesus is Lord of my life. And then lastly, do we share Jesus? And so are we willing, like these two men, to drop everything and go the distance to tell others about the good news of this day? Next week, Pastor Adam is going to take us still one more message in this series, Jesus the Sender, and how he sends us on mission. Friends, we are on mission. And so I encourage you to think about how do we tell others and we do it with our, we don't always have to do it with our words, although words come, become important at some point, but we do it with our actions through the building of relationships. We just love and serve people. And so at the end of May, we have the Spring Carnival coming up. It's a great opportunity to either serve the community because you don't live here, but if you live here in this community, say to your neighbors, say, hey, there's the Spring Carnival, why don't we go down with our kids and then let's go back to our house after and have dinner together. Because amazing things happen when we gather around a meal as we saw from this story this morning let's pray together father we thank you for your word your truth we thank you that jesus is alive today and when we think of the roller coaster of emotions for Cleopas and his companion who experienced what it was like to just have all of their hopes and dreams shattered and evaporated and They went from hope to fear and confusion and disappointment. Father, some of us probably find ourselves there this morning. And I pray that in the midst of that, we would see that these events, what's happening to us today, do not define what you are doing in our lives tomorrow. Father, when these men, maybe Cleopas's wife, when they had their eyes opened and they saw Jesus for who he really is, and that instant flush of hope that just filled their hearts and burned within them. Father, I pray that we would know that burning in our hearts. Father, we know that that's not something that we can do ourselves, but it is something by your Spirit that you do. And I pray that there would be many this morning who come to recognize that as your Spirit moving on their lives, And that they would give their hearts and their lives to you, Jesus. And Father, that we then, having received this good news, would be willing to declare that Jesus is alive and it changes everything. And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you that we can praise your name today because of the hope that we have in Jesus, our Lord, our Savior. Amen.